to She Thinks Goodness and thanks for joining us for another episode of She Is Influence and this is where we get to interview and just have a nice casual chat with incredible women and women who have lived their lives with such beautiful faith and today we're so excited because we're joined by Dale Garrett and welcome Dale, thanks for joining us. Thank you, so pleased to be here. Oh well we're stoked that you're here and just for those of you who don't know Dale, so Dale, um, as I mentioned, she's an incredible woman of faith and she is one of the founders of uh, Scripture and Song Movement and has had an incredible global ministry and is in fact one of the, the like leaders and pioneers in the modern worship movement. And so we're going to be here today just to be able to learn about her journey and um, her life and how God has led her. Um, so Dale... One of the questions, it's really like a traditional non-negotiable questions that we ask here at She Sex Goodness, is who is the woman who's had the most influence on your life? Yes, well, that's an interesting question because you see, Caitlin, I'm 83 years old, so that's a lot of decades of influence. Yeah. And so um, I can pinpoint back, and I will do as we talk probably, to my grandmother, who was my influencer probably right through to my I don't know, before I got saved, that was at 20. So um, she had incredible influence on me. But after that, there's a stack of people. So for the um, for the business of just growing up and learning things, grandma, yeah. And um, grandma was part Ngāpuhi Māori and didn't want anyone to know that. So I would go to school and they would tell me that I was dark and I'd and that I was Maori, a Maori girl, I'd come back home and Grandma would say, no, 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 we're Scottish, because in those days it wasn't, you know, good to be a dark person. So I grew up kind of confused because I knew that I was somebody and didn't know who exactly I was. So, yeah, I've had a journey of finding that out, which has been very good and very honouring to know that we're part of that tribe. The other part of me is Italian and Croatian. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. What, a, what an awesome combination. It's a combination, yeah. Easy for suntan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so cool. Oh, well, that's amazing. And it's um, very special to see just the role that your grandmother has had yeah. in your life and Huge. the influence yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it would be so cool if you could maybe, if it's all right with you, share a little bit about yourself and tell us about your journey. Yes, I'd love to. Um, really, I suppose you would say, Caitlin, um, I had a, <coughs> excuse me, had a mother who had to work all the time. We didn't have much money. So grandma took me over, and that's very part of an Indigenous way to live, and uh, looked after me. And But she was a widowed woman. She had seven children of her own. My mother was one of them. And what I learned from her, I suppose, has been a lot of it has been my life's ambitions in that she was enormously generous, having nothing, you know, just um, the kids and uh, then they'd, of course, grown up to be parents and so on. But um, she always had a garden. She always picked fruit off everybody's trees. <laughs> and my mother worked um, as a 
cleaner, I suppose you'd call it, but with a lot of rich people's homes. So she'd bring back clothing, curtains, all sorts of stuff, and Grandma would turn those into wonderful things for us. So I sort of learnt that huge thing about making something out of nothing, and I still do that. I'm the sort of side-of-the-road junkie. I'll, you know, the car just swerves into a place in the road <laughs> and we'll grab a bit of furniture or something and repaint it. And we're, My house is full of that stuff, you know. So I learned from Grandma as well um, something out of nothing. But the other wonderful thing I learned from her, she had a very simple faith. Mm-hmm. And um, so she would go around singing the song, Count Your Blessings. You're too young to know it. Name them one by one. And it'll surprise you what the Lord has done. Just a simple little song. But it was like her gratitude journal. You know, that's what we'd say now. Interesting thing about gratitude, while I think of it, Dr. Caroline Leaf, the neuroscientist, very interesting comment about gratitude. You can't be anxious and grateful at the same time. I mean, what a bonus that is. Yeah. So Grandma would go around singing that and make me count my blessings. And I didn't think I had all that many. You know, kids are always wanting more, and so that was how it was. But uh, she taught me to do that, yeah. And then she sang another song, God Will Take Care of You. I don't even know if my grandma had a really good relationship with God or not. She was the only Christian in the family anyway. But she would always sing that as well. And I think it engendered trust into me as a child. So every night I would pray, but I never really met God until I was 20. So that was a whole other thing, really. And that happened um, in a in a funny way because uh, I have to tell you, I'd sort of dated the whole free world. You know, I mean, I was, I was a dress designer and I, well, I'd first of all wanted to be a ballerina, but I smashed up my knee, so that was out. And then the other, only other thing that I could do was sew because my grandmother taught me that. And um, I was making all my own clothes by the time I was 12, I suppose. Yeah. And um, so anyway, I was working in this boutique and I was also working in one of the first coffee shops in Auckland. That's how old I am. I mean, it was nothing, you know, back in the day. It was just like that. And anyway, this guy would come in and he was very good looking and I tried to get his eye and I was just serving the coffee. (laughs) And I didn't know he was a very fervent evangelist. I just thought he was a handsome dude, you know. So anyway, um, he asked me out and I thought finally, you know, after quite a few weeks and he said, um, oh, could I meet you at 5.30 tomorrow? And I thought, that's really exciting. So I, I, I was going to a dance the night before. Um, we used to always go to dances twice a week. That was the mm. thing we did. And um, I came in quite late in the evening. Uh, early morning, really, Um, and he said, oh, what he said as he was walking out the door of the coffee shop was, so I'll meet you at 5.30 in the morning, and I thought, what do you do at 5.30 in the morning? You know, is he going fishing? What's he doing? You know, so of course he was, evangelically speaking, but um, so I, I came back from the ball, and I dressed in all the wrong clothes because I didn't know what was appropriate to go to what turned out to be a prayer meeting. There was a con, you know. So at a Youth for Christ, um, I don't know if you're too young to know about Youth for Christ as well. These things are a bit ancient, you know. So anyway, um, I went in there and what I saw was amazing. I saw people praying and talking to God in a conversation, thanking him for what had happened last week and praying for someone. And it was a very... 
uh, two-way thing. And I didn't know you could do that with God. I had no idea. So after the prayer meeting, I just was stunned the whole way through. I had these big dangly earrings on and I think a very tight white sweater, all the wrong stuff for a Youth for Christ prayer meeting with all these lovely women with no makeup or anything. You know, why would you bother at 5.30 in the morning? But in my lifestyle, it was part of it, you know. So anyway, um, I came to God and it was honestly a revolution. It was like a total turnaround. The night before, I kept thinking to myself, I was in love with Elvis Presley, it was in those days, and um, I'd like to go to America and marry him. Then <laughs> I met Jesus and I didn't want Elvis Presley or anybody. I, I had an immediate hunger for God. Such a powerful testimony. And may I ask, what happened with the man at the coffee shop? <laughs> I don't think I ever saw him much again. I did see him around Youth for Christ. I okay. started to go there, and that was the beginning of the story with David. Okay. David being the husband of 58 years. Yeah. Wow. Oh, okay, so you met your husband at, at the Youth for Christ. Christ yes, yes. So uh, David had just been transferred from Wellington to Auckland. Um, he was a tea taster. And so he'd been around India and Africa and all over the place tasting tea. Mm -hmm. And he got his company transferred him to Auckland. And he was on stage at Youth for Christ mm -hmm. playing his guitar very amateurly. Mm -hmm. And um, he was a sort of a three-chord kind of player and um, with his sister singing. And I had at that stage just joined a little trio of a man and his wife and myself singing as well. They would wrote me into that. I always love to sing. Can't in fact, but I sing anyway, you know. So um, anyway, he um, when he came down from the stage, the guy that was singing with us said to him, "Look, my wife's pregnant. Would you like to join our trio because she's thinking she needs to since you've been transferred?" And David said, "Okay." I met him, shook his hand. That was the, there was a guy playing a clarinet next to him on the stage. And I thought he's very handsome, but I didn't kind of notice David at the minute so much. <laughs> anyway. Um, we, st we sang in a trio and then it turned into David and I as a duo and we started off. That wasn't scripture and song, of course. That was singing I've Got a Mansion Over the Hilltop, which is not worship, which is what we morphed into. It's subjective singing, you know, about me. And that was all there was in those days, really, you know. So we just sang the popular songs and we seemed to sing it everything. Yeah. Wow. So, so that was your intro into the music. Well, yes, yes. And so growing up, did you have any aspirations to make music? Um, well, my brother had a jazz band, and so there was always music in the house, but it never occurred to me that I'd ever be singing on, like, 37 albums, you know, or whatever it was. It just, um, I didn't think that was in my, I knew I was creative and I could do things with my hands, and I loved music, but no, I didn't have an aspiration in the whole singing thing. And the story um, of scripture and song was that we didn't even know what we were doing either at the beginning. Um, so, and David wasn't much of a singer and he played a few notes on the guitar. I picked out a bit on the piano, but I gave up piano for ballet lessons. So, no, it wasn't part of my actual journey to think that I would be involved in music. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, that's amazing because, like, God has completely... Mm -hmm. um, birthed this modern yeah. worship movement and that was from not having those original like passion desire in that space 
Um, so would you be able to tell us a little bit more about how like scripture and the song movement was born and the role that it has played over sure. the years? Mm. Well, the way it was born was kind of unusual really when I think about it. Um, David and I had a practice of, um, we weren't dating or anything, we were just a duo for two years that it was like that. Um, but we had a habit of going out somewhere into a field or anywhere we felt like it to pray and to get ready for whatever thing we were going to be doing. Um, there was a lot on in those days, rallies and evangelistic stuff. And then um, a move of God started to go around the earth at the same time as the flower children, you know, and uh, all of those kind of things all happened at once really. But the move of God, which we sincerely pray for again, um, was something that shook everyone and we weren't fully aware of it um, until something happened. What happened was we were out in this field and we were praying and getting prepared for a meeting that night and David read from Isaiah 49, which is sort of our life's mandate now. Um, and it's amazing how God fulfills his own word as you open your life to him. You know, it's just like you're reading a story. How could that possibly happen? And uh, so in a way, I'm glad that we weren't equipped to be musicians because we've had to so lean on God, Caitlin, you know, for everything we've needed. And other musicians, God's always brought them around us as we've needed them over all those albums um, and all the tours we've done teaching on worship and leading worship and everything everywhere in the world, you know, just huge because the Spirit of God was moving in such a way that we were always seem to be getting called up to go somewhere, mm. you know. Anyway, um, we were in this field. David opened Isaiah 49 and it said something like, those who wait for me will not be disappointed. I will hide you um, and sharpen you so that you'll be an arrow that hits the mark. That was the basic um thing it was not word to word I'm telling you but that was how it was and David said um like out of the blue we've got to stop singing and I said oh really you know and it was a bit of a shock to me um and I said what about all the engagements we've got coming up and things doing and he said I believe if we will wait on God he will give us something um, that is really effective because what we're doing is sort of entertaining. Um, but he said, in my heart, and he was a, a very staunch brethren man, still um, knows the scriptures like the back of his hand, you know, just say to him, what well, is that Bible verse? And he always knows, you know. So um, in his heart was this longing to do something with music that related to worship. We couldn't find any songs like that, so we just sang the others. So that was the first cost, I guess you can say, that I knew related to worship. If we were obedient to that, would God then come through with something? Well, um, we went to the leaders of Youth for Christ and these other outfits that we were doing stuff with and told them, and they were shocked and did not agree on any way whatsoever that we should pull out of ministry. 
And that was a hard thing. Um, wasn't so hard for David. He's one of the not so caring what people thinks, and I'm a bit more trying people pleasing, you know. So that was hard for me to actually swallow that, and that went on for three years. <laughs> and um, in that time, we had our children. It was hard because people would ask us to sing at their wedding or 21st, and they all knew us, and he would always say no straight off. We're waiting for God to give us something. And after that three-year period, I think I got to the place um, where I thought, well, I don't know what's going to happen or if anything's going to happen, but I'm content in it. You know, and I had the kids, two little girls, so I was – and. Um, he was still doing his tea tasting. And uh, anyway, um, out of that little time, we, the phone went one night and um, there was a man called Derek Prince, who you'll have heard of, who was in New Zealand. We came across so many Bible teachers, both overseas after that time and here in New Zealand. But Derek Prince was having some meetings and the phone went and David, I picked, David picked up the phone and I just felt in my heart this is going to be the moment when we get released from not singing. I don't know why, because how that would relate to a Bible teacher, nobody knew. But anyway, the man said to David, we're having some meetings in the place in Dominion Road. Would you come and sing for us? And when he came in the room, he just stood in the doorway and he said to me, um, I've got something to tell you. And I just said, I know, we're free. Are we free to sing? And he said, yes, we are. He said, I feel God's opened the right door at the right time. Now, that still didn't mean we had anything effective because that's what we were waiting for, you know, this whole time. But anyway, we went to the meeting and we immediately connected with the fact that the Spirit of God was working in that meeting. There were healings. There was, well, Derek, one of his specialties was to deliver people from all kinds of things, sicknesses, and he was into um, deliverance itself, you know, as it's, as Jesus did in the Bible, um, and giving. I remember him dancing around the stage, waving a back in the day pound note and saying, I'm giving my money, you know, and so he said, I always want to make an example of what I'm teaching. And he taught us all sorts of things about freely being released in every area of our lives. So we got up and all we had was a brother and him to sing. So we sang this song, Lord Jesus Christ, I seek your face. And it was a lovely hymn. We got down from the stage and I said to David, or he said to me, I can't remember, um, we need some songs that people can sing. You know, I can see people are wanting to worship. And they were. And even in that time, that was 1968, before anybody was born, just God and us, you know, kind of thing, a long time ago. Um people were gradually starting to raise their hands and there was a sense that, that this was what people wanted to do. And so I said to him, what do we do? How do we? Um, and I didn't think I could do any songwriting. He said, I think my sister sits at the piano and writes, he has seven sisters, um, sits at the piano and writes some songs. So I'll ask her. So Shirley did some songs. Um, then we just amazingly, God brought people to us and we began to get songs um, of worship, but he wanted to use the scripture. That was his big thing. So that was 
in a corny way. That was how we got the name Scripture and Songs. We couldn't think of anything else. So we um, eventually collected 12 songs and on a little um, 45 RPM, which is the tiny little albums they had back then, in four hours um, in a studio um, with a bass player, a drummer, a guitarist and a pianist, we recorded 12 songs. And we just thought this would be good for people to take home because they're simple to remember. It's like when you go to church and you learn a new song, our ambition was if you could get to the car and still remember the words, then you'd have a song. And there's a secret there. It's to do with songwriting, which I've learned over the years but didn't know anything about at the time. Talking of people who influenced me, one woman particularly did, Carol Owens, who wrote a lot of the big musicals of the day, come together, and some of you are too young to know, of course. Um, but anyway, um, where was I up to? Learning learning the song in church so that you could go into the car and sing it straight away. Now, that, that created several things. The first thing was those people who had criticised us for pulling out all criticised us for doing the songs and then more than that criticised us for using modern instruments. So that was um, that was a real no-no and when we went into churches to teach on worship, instead of using, there was always a piano there and an organ there, um, we would take with us a drummer, one who had just been saved and was off heroin, gorgeous guy, and David would turn around to him and say, prophesy on the drums, and the whole congregation would be in ecstasy, praising God, but we did have the critics alongside all the time. We had the booksellers saying, you'll never sell this album, and then we went to lead worship at a big thing in what's now the, um, I don't know, a big hotel in town, um, Pullman, and back then, I don't know what it was. Anyway, we were in the ballroom, we led these songs, and we took a few albums with us, and people just crowded for them. And so the booksellers who, like even the day before, had said, you'll never sell these, we're not going to order any, called us up and asked for the albums, you know. So it began to just progress itself mm. like that, yeah. Wow, that is just an incredible story, <laughs> just narrative about how God has moved in your life and just by way of like you making yourself available and simple obedience to mm-hmm. like I can imagine that would have been quite a challenging it's a cost. like time to wait um for that time when you weren't, weren't yes. able to sing and like just where like God opened doors mm-hmm. and the way that you stepped out and um I guess trailblazed the way for other like worship bands that we might be more familiar yeah, today with yeah. Hillsong and yeah, all that. All of these people, um, yeah. Yeah, so that's just an incredible mm. story. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. And so I was just wondering, um, so for like young women out there who are trying to like figure out their purpose in life, um, it was, it's just interesting the way that often God uses our gifts and our talents and, and places us in purpose in that area. But for you and the way that your life has played out. It's like God has kind of worked by you being available and it wasn't like you're a musician initially but like Mm -hmm. ended up, you know, pioneering and founding a worship music movement. Um, So I was just wondering if you had any advice or thoughts for young women out there who are trying to figure out their purpose um, and their direction in life, what you'd say to them? Yes, yes. Well, I would always say um, keep close to God and to his word 
um, because he will speak to you either way regularly if you begin a conversation. Um, my husband does it, David does it, um, by just writing down every morning. He's one of those terrible people that gets up at four o'clock in the morning and goes around the place, you know, speaking in other languages and also um, writing down his conversations with God. He loves that method. I don't do that method, but I keep close to God by, um, well, I totally believe as a worship leader, if we're not personal worshippers, then we're not really cutting it, you know. So um, I have always wanted to be authentic and to be real. And I think that was something, getting back to Grandma, that she modelled for me. Although she had nothing, um, she had this big, warm heart, so she just used her gifts to have everybody in the house feed them. There was always more than enough. I'm the same. In fact, I hold on to containers all the time. I get them from the $2 shop to give everybody food when they go home. And, you know, that's part of my Indigenous side, but it's just what I do. But, um, you know, I would say it's very important to have an ongoing personal relationship with God either through or as re reading a word and listening to God. And I think a lot of people say, well, how could God really speak to me? You know, do I know if it's him or am I making this up? You know what, um, Caitlin, the grace of God, which is our unearned favour, um, is the most amazing thing that God has given us. I wear these five little rings <laughs> um, to remind me of the number, it's the number of grace, five. And so uh, what I've found in my life is God graces us for everything, whether it's just to wait on him or it's to do something we don't want to do or to take the criticism that as the more you serve God, the more tests God gives you um, to refine you. And um, I was just reading James the other night where it said, count it all joy, and I thought, Oh, please, you know, you, it's hard to do that when you're in the middle of it. It really is. And particularly when you're being misunderstood. And even more so, perhaps, when you you become notable, then you'll have critics on another level through envy and jealousy and all sorts of stuff. So it's, um, you've got to roll with the punches, you know. Um, but to know that you are both a personal worshipper for me is very important. And then to rush to give any glory to God. So if you're looking for something to do for God, um, make sure that it is for God and not for yourself. Mm -hmm. That's what I would say. And so I, I can't imagine any part of me being glorified for what God gave us. It was all from him and it's all to him, you know. So I think you've got to be satisfied with that at the start. God could give you something really amazing, to touch the world, you know. Um, at the same time, you need to know, um, well, for me, I've needed to know that wonderful verse, the one, the first one in the Beatitudes, um, it says in one version, blessed is the poor, uh, the poor in spirit. In other words, those that know their need of God, that they know that they can't go it alone. And so that's that would be advice I would give always, be the branch and let God be the vine, mm. you know, and lean heavily at all times. Now, I've got one final question for you, <laughs> Dale. Um, so you're probably familiar with Dr. Eugene Peterson. So he's yes. a man who wrote the message yes. translation of the Bible. And he describes obedience as a long walk in the same direction. 
So when you tell your, the story of your life, I feel like that just kind of summarizes and characterizes your journey of faith. And you have just been so obedient in, in all that God has placed in front of you. Now, so for someone in their mid-20s, so young adults out there um, who's still early in this journey, what would you say is the key to this kind of obedience? Okay. Um, I think perseverance, which the Bible talks about and it tells you all the advantages of that, is really important. Um, in fact, I've got a poem um, I might read if we've got time. I oh, don't please. Know. Um, We'd love to hear the poem. Yeah, well, it's actually a writing from Theodore Roosevelt. You might have heard of it before. It's not the critic who counts, and you find that out over time, although criticism does hurt, you know. Um, not the man who points, points out how the strong man stumbles, and I would say... Um, perhaps like the people who said we couldn't write songs properly because we couldn't because we didn't know how to, you know. Um, Or where the doer of deeds could have done them better, the credit belongs to the man, um, feminists are going to like this, are they, Uh, who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood and who strives valiantly who errs and comes up short, and we all do, and that's where the grace of God comes in, um, again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, and there isn't because life's a learning curve, you know, one big one, Um, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms and great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the wo- and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly, and that's the walk of faith. Mm-hmm. It is, and it doesn't matter because failure doesn't define us. It's just another way to learn. You know, oh well, I'm not going to do that again. It didn't work, you know, or whatever it was. Um, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory or defeat interesting eh? so I think when God challenges you challenges you to do something give it your best shot lean heavily on the grace of God and go for it and you'll get people who'll say it'll never work you know and if we'd listen to those people then I don't know how many I want to say millions that can't be right but many many people around the world we've led in worship you know and seen just because we took a step of faith yeah so and that's what life is it's a continual step of faith not pulling back but going the distance with the grace of God that's remarkable and that's a great poem by the former president of the United States and that really just puts life in perspective and it reminds me of a passage in the Bible which says run the race with perseverance um, and fixate your eyes on Jesus Mm. the pioneer of faith and isn't that encouraging as well to know that as we run the race as we partner with God that he is with us his presence guides us we don't we don't have to do it in our own Mm -hmm. strength um, and just like to press into him. Yeah, you know, to your, very to important. Us. And when the enemy tells us it can't be done mm. or, you know, what on earth are you thinking, um, I now, um, we take communion every night and that's a great blessing and it, it's something that our family just loves to do. But the blood of Jesus, the actual fact of the cleansing and the favour of God from no works of our own, yeah. you know, is so I will often, if I hear that whisper, 
it can't be done or you you know you're doing whatever because the bible says the enemy accuses us day and night you know so he's just stalking around so you hear these things i've i've now come to where i very quickly will speak out of scripture because in revelation it says they overcame him by the word of god and the blood of the lamb so i I use that as a weapon very quickly. Yeah, I've learned to over the years mm. now. Yeah. So good. Mm. Oh, well, Dale, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. Um, sure. I personally found it really impactful, and it's just like, feel like I'm sitting having a conversation yeah. with like a mentor and this is like providing mentoring to the younger women and our generation out there and because of like wonderful people like you it's just so encouraging for us to be able to look at those who have gone before us who have pioneered um, and who have been so faithful and just been able to learn from your journey and hear your heart has been really inspiring so thank you for sharing um, and one of the things that we'd just love to to give a shout out because you are on your 37th album, That's which it, is amazing. Yeah. 37 <laughs> no, albums we sitting that you around yeah. years. <laughs> You've been busy. You've been so busy. And a lot of songbooks too. They were yeah, mm. huge. So we've got, so Songs of Blessing is your latest mm. album that has just come out. So girls, friends out there would love it if, or would re- recommend that you go and find yourself um, a copy of this. Well, Dale, thank you so much again for joining us. We've been so blessed just to be able to sit down and have a conversation with you. Honestly, you're amazing and remarkable the way that you've just lived out your life in obedience to God. Um, And it's really encouraging for us as a younger generation. So God bless you. you. Thank Thank you you so much for your time today. Um, And stay tuned for our next episode of She Is Amazing.